0: pre-trip to Belize and really gives the opportunity for us to uh, set up the mission trip that we are having for our church this coming summer. So we took off uh, way early Tuesday morning and got back way late Friday night, um, and it was a great trip. So I thought I was done with the Flourishing Church, um, but we are doing the Flourishing Church uh, in justice. as it's part six, all right, if you're counting. I, like, quadruple checked. Justice and I were having a little discussion on the airplane how many parts of the Flourishing Church there had been. <clears throat> so, the Flourishing Church, part six. If you think of our um, three key words for the church, do you remember what they are? Long, flourish, go. Long flourish, go. What is the full part of the go, the little phrase go in service and mission, go in service and mission. So um, really, it's the flourishing church part six, and then the subtitle is the flourishing church goes. The flourishing church goes. And I want to begin by talking about, um, think about Paul for a minute. Why did Paul, how many, how many mission trips did Paul go on that we have record of? You guys, see, that's that quiz I was telling you about a couple of weeks ago. All right? You'd fail this one. It's just a one-question quiz. <clears throat> uh, three. Some some argue maybe maybe there's a fourth in there, but but three is what it looks like that we see in the book of Acts. So why did he go? One, he went to, to preach the gospel, uh, to check on the churches, to address issues of sin, and to encourage them. So I want to notice um, a couple of things. So we're going to be in the book... Primarily in the book of Acts today, so you can turn there if you want, and we're going to look starting in Acts chapter 9, because I want us to notice a couple things about these trips that we see in the New Testament. So you all hopefully know the story. Paul gets saved on the road to Damascus. He had been a persecutor of the church. He uh, is there when Stephen is stoned and he's there in agreement. And shortly thereafter, uh, he's on the road to Damascus and he ends up with this uh, salvation, getting saved. And so if we look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. For they did not believe that he was a disciple right? I mean, they're like, it's a trap, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so they're, they're very cautious and concerned, and they were suspicious, like, I mean, and it was legit. I would have probably thought the very same thing, like, is he faking it so he can kind of get in here and then, like, turn us all over to uh, the authorities? Well, no, and so um, he ends up showing that he's legit, that he- God has truly saved him, and we see that uh, the very first mission trip that's really discussed in the scriptures, and Paul's not actually a part of that, that first one, um, if you look in two chapters later in Acts chapter 11, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word to no one except Jews. So the very first mission trip really wasn't, it wasn't planned. It was, it was an unplanned trip. It was kind of like a forced mission trip, so to speak. The persecution came, which spread out the believers. And so they were kind of, you know, maybe some parents are going to really twist their kids' arms a little bit to go on the mission trip this summer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're going to twist your arm a little bit, right? So uh, this was kind of a forced mission trip, so to speak. But God uses the persecution here to spread the word. I love it that we serve a sovereign God who can even use uh, painful times, hurtful times, horrible things, and use those situations for his glory. Amen. But then notice, it goes on in chapter 11, verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Okay, so they're not just sharing with the Jews, they're sharing with the Greek, the Greeks. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So the persecution happens, people spread out the word, people are being faithful to be witnesses, they're spreading the word, the word ends up reaching Jerusalem. Hey, like, people are getting saved, so who do they send as a representative? They send Barnabas to Antioch. So he goes there as a representative of sorts. Why? Because God's doing a great work in Antioch. So the church wants to help aid that great work. But look what happens a few verses later. Verse 23, When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And then notice what it says in verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, which is Paul, right? A lot of people think his name was actually changed when he got saved. That's not the case here. Uh, Saul is just the Hebrew form, and Paul is the Greek. So you'll actually see, if you keep reading in Acts for a couple more chapters... While Paul here Saul is reaching out to the Jews, Luke uses the name Saul once he switches his ministry to the to the Greeks and is among the Gentiles, then the switch comes to Paul, so his name was not changed sometimes the Lord does that like Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarai Sometimes the Lord does that, but he actually doesn't do that It's kind of a misnomer that he does that with Paul he doesn't do that with Paul okay so um, Paul, Paul, so Barnabas ends up going, and what does he do? He's like, "Hey, Paul, like we need your help. God's doing a great work in Antioch, and we need your help." And I kind of felt like, in a, in a similar uh, way, like we've kind of had the opportunity as a church, like God said, has come to us and said, "Hey, we need your help in Belize, and we need you to go." And we've been doing that for a number of years. Then Paul has his first mission trip. Look at Acts chapter 13. In verse 1, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. See, he's still called Saul, even though he's about to be sent out on a mission trip, and they're still calling him Saul, okay? Look what it says in verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So Paul's first mission trip, it's quite unplanned from a a human perspective. I mean, God had it all planned. But from a human perspective, here, here they are, the church is gathered, and they're praying, and the Lord speaks to them. And says, I want Barnabas and Saul I have work for them to do. So set them apart and send them on their way. So what do they do? Well, they go on their way. Do you believe the Holy Spirit works in this way, brothers and sisters? Amen. So I believe the Spirit is doing the same thing here with us. He's setting people apart for this summer's trip. I believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks to people. So he's calling... Some of you to go. Belong, flourish, go. So that's Paul's first mission trip. Then he has a second mission trip. So turn a couple chapters over to Acts chapter 15. So they've returned back from their first mission trip. They're back home. It says in Acts 15, verse 36, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas... Now, those are the two that were set aside, right? 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 Okay. Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So what's the purpose of the second mission trip? The purpose really wasn't primarily preaching the gospel, but building up the churches. Right? Okay. Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That, that's the focus. And then notice what it says in verse 41. And he went through Syria and Cilicia. What does it say? Strengthening, Strengthening The churches. Okay? That's their purpose. And then what do they do? Well, they fulfill the purpose that they set out to do. Strengthening the churches. That word strengthening. Here's how one theologian said it. He said, They strengthened the churches, i.e., they helped the believers to become stronger in their commitment to Jesus, Israel's Messiah and Savior. The present tense of the participle, so it's, it's strengthening is how many versions translate it So that participle there. The present tense emphasizes the importance of this aspect of Paul's ministry. Thus, indeed, there is no restless rushing from one new opening to another, but rather a methodical progress concerned both with initiating work in new areas and at the same time with bringing the emergent groups in those areas to stable maturity. In other words, he goes on a first mission trip, and, he, and people get saved, and he plants churches. But then the second mission trip is not, well, let's plant more churches. That might have happened. But it's, let's go strengthen the churches that we've already planted. Paul was very much concerned about evangelism, but also very much concerned about discipleship. He was very much concerned about the gospel going forth, but he's also very much concerned about building up the body of Christ. One other theologian said both sections, talking about the end of chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16, both sections underscore the place of continuing pastoral oversight in Luke's understanding of evangelism. In other words, as Luke's writing the history, he's seeing that God is working not just in sending people out to preach the good news, very much important and very much needed, but also in continuing to provide pastoral oversight in ministry, to those churches. Now, when Paul goes to visit those churches on that second mission trip, where do you think he would have gone once he arrived in that particular city? I mean, he would have gone to a specific location, right? Probably at least where he last knew the church was meeting. That kind of makes sense, right? Now, perhaps it had grown even more and, and you know, Brother John's house was, was too small now, so now they're in Brother Joe's house. But he would have at least gone back to where he originally thought it was, to a specific location. And even if it had moved, it still had a specific location, right? I mean, if people say, hey, where can I find Liberty Church? I mean, there's an address you can give them, right? And, and sometimes people say it's not about the building. Well, I mean, I agree, but you kind of need a building to meet in. And if you think about even in, in, in different countries, but even with America, like when you're talking about uh, church planting, one of the first things you do is you've got to figure out where you're going to meet. You can't just have a church plant and and there's three people over here and three people meeting over here and two people I mean you are meeting together the church meets. So Paul uh you know ends up leading people to the Lord, people get saved by Paul's efforts and guess what they needed a place to meet. Now if this building burned to the ground and hopefully it doesn't. But if it is, hopefully it's before January 9th so <laughs> <laughs> we save a little money. I'm just kidding. Um, But if it burned to the ground, would Liberty Church cease to exist? No, right? But it would have to find a place to meet, right? It would have a new address. So when Paul went to visit the church at, at Antioch, he didn't go to Iconium looking for the church at Antioch. Why not? Because the church at Antioch, it has a specific address, even if maybe over time that address changed. Well, here's the question. Was Paul's trip successful in what he was trying to accomplish in strengthening those churches. He went, he found them, those individual local churches. We would call it the visible church. Was it successful? Well, Acts, this is what Luke records for us. Acts, one chapter later, Acts 16, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened. Is that what word you got, strengthened? Yeah, so, I mean, it's that same word. They're wanting... To go strengthen the churches, and, and do they accomplish it? Yep. Luke tells us straight out. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, here's the thing to catch in verse 5 here they're being strengthened, and part of the result when you strengthen the church is what? The numbers grow, they increased daily. Right, So they're strengthening the churches, and, and one of the results is that, hey, you're building up the body. They're being more grounded. They're realizing, hey, we need to continue the outreach. So they do. Now, when we left Belize in the summer of 2018, that was the last time our church was there, I would never have guessed we wouldn't be back for, for four and a half years. 2019, we decided intentionally not to go in order to make 2020 a big trip. And we actually had plane tickets bought in 2020. So we were, we were headed there. Uh, then COVID hit, right? Which shut us down for 2020. It shut us down for 2021. It shut us down for 2022. It's really only been in the last, I don't know, three, maybe six months where things really on both sides, international travel, how Belize has handled the lockdown, has opened a door uh, for us to be able to go in 2023. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about why do we go? The flourishing church goes. Why do we go? So I want to give you reasons. Um, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. I want to give you reasons why a, a small trip of of two pastors is helpful, while at the same time using it as a polemic for why we go, period. Right, why the church goes. Okay. And the first is to be a witness. We're going to being Acts a little bit. Look at Acts, back in Acts chapter 1. Why do we go? We go to be a witness, Acts 1. Jesus speaking here, Acts 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. As we talked a couple weeks ago, we're witnesses. We're not marketers, we're not salesmen. We're witnesses. What do we witness to? The good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we witness to. So we want to preach the gospel near and far. We want to preach the gospel locally and globally. First and foremost, the gospel has to be at the center. Keep your place in Acts, but look at Colossians, which we've been working our way through, and I want you to see something in Colossians chapter 1. Here Paul mentions the gospel right towards the beginning. Verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you. So the gospel comes to the Colossians. They get saved. It does the work in them, right? Faith, hope, love. But notice further, which has come to you, verse 6, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. How are lives changed? By the gospel going forth. They hear the good news, the Spirit of God comes down, lives changed. People trust in Jesus. They repent of their sins. So, why do we go? To be a witness. We, when Justice and I uh, we're flying, we uh, flew down through Atlanta, and so um, we were in the Atlanta airport and we were at our gate waiting and um, this young uh, young girl lady comes up to us and uh, actually has the track and she 's handing it to us and sharing her faith and so we start talking to her she 's uh, from South Korea, so she speaks English as her second language. Um so a little bit of an accent there and she's talking and she's like oh you have to you have to meet my pastor you have to meet my pastor we're we're both going to Belize <clears throat> so she's brings her pastor over and um this woman the pastor proceeds to tell us how she has been to heaven and hell like 10 different times and we're like say what and proceeds to tell us how, like, she's basically, like, it's like she's written a book. Each time she's been there, you can actually buy the book on Amazon. I don't recommend buying it. Um, <clears throat> she promised to send Justice and I each a 10-volume set. Um, <clears throat> anyway, why do we go? Because, because false teachers abound, all right? She's going down there to lead some type of conference, which was really sad, apparently, for pastors, if, if she can be believed. Um, but false teachers abound near and afar, near and afar. So we go to make sure the truth in its entirety and its truthfulness is proclaimed. We go to make sure that whatever junk abounds is combated. There is a heavy presence of Seventh-day Adventists in Belize. And uh, it's, it, if you ever try to, to nail down what a Seventh-day Adventist believes, like good luck, Um, Because it's very challenging to do and it's really tricky if you start to talk at least in Belize when you talk to many of them It is very much a works based religion for them But they have a strong presence um, In Belize in the in the even in the area that we work and so um, False teachers abound brothers and sisters near and afar so we go to combat that We also go to reinforce force the word that's already preached there are our faithful brothers that are preaching from the pulpits down there, but it is good for us to go and compliment what they're already doing. sometimes it's good you know that a pastor can come in and maybe say it uh the same truth in a different way to help that some members uh finally get it, so to speak and so and sometimes we can go and say things um that for different reasons maybe certain pastors down there you know they're Congregation isn't ready to hear it from them, but maybe they're open to hear it from someone else. Uh, That's one of the advantages of even us doing a foundations conference. I think it's just good for for you all to hear from other pastors that love the Lord and are seeking Him and can hear different truths maybe expressed uh, in, in different ways. So reinforce the word already preached. Also, to encourage the brothers and sisters. It's interesting because here's, uh, go back to Acts, if you will, and we're going to go to Acts 13, um, and we're going to read this. I'm going to tell you what normally happens in a belief service, because it's it's very similar to what we're about to read. In verse 13 of chapter 13, it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the Law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Well, I mean, that's kind of how it works in Belize. <clears throat> we'll end up in a prayer service on which we did on um, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, two different churches, um, or if we're there on a Sunday, and it usually works. Um, and this is how it worked uh, Wednesday night. Um, Pastor Smith was like, "Justice, Justice, come on up and lead worship right now." <clears throat> and Justice is like, "Pastor Smith, I've never even heard this song before." <laughs> And Pastor Smith's like, that's okay, come on up and lead it. (laughs) And there is, uh, there's like no shame when it comes to, I mean, if something just goes wrong in the service down there, there's there's like no shame. Like, I think at least three different times, like the the song started completely off and and they just stopped and like, okay, we're going to restart this thing. And and one time, like, like most of the people didn't know the song, so they just stopped playing and were like, we're going to sing a different song. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) not even kidding you. It's actually a pretty beautiful thing. <clears throat> but it's also like, okay, Mike, come up and share a word. What do, you got, what do you got to say tonight? Now, granted, because we've been there a few times now, we at least know a little bit more to expect, so we're at least a little more prepared, you know, Second Timothy 4, be prepared in season and out of season. But it really is this Acts 13, like, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement, and guess what? That's what the people are looking for. They're looking for a word of encouragement. So encouraging you know, the brothers and sisters, it includes a couple different things. One, it includes encouraging the members. Uh, Justice and I were able to pray for a number of the members, uh, church members, as well as people in the community that we ended up talking with, whether it was at the restaurant or as we had opportunity to go throughout the village. um, And sometimes we'd be, like, on a mission to find a particular person, And the Lord saw fit for us not to find that person. And then he'd have us come into the path of someone else. And and we'd usually ask, you know, can we pray for you? Or how can we pray for you? And every person wanted prayer for something. So sometimes it's an encouragement to the members for that. Sometimes it's to encourage the leaders. So we had an opportunity uh, the last night to take out some of Pastor Smith's men that he's uh, wanting to train up. And it was just good for us. Uh, Justice and I, just to kind of hear their heart, to see their heart, and just to fellowship with them, you know. Um, I was very blessed by that opportunity. So, so, So sometimes it's to encourage the leaders there. Sometimes it's to encourage the pastors. What I told the Belizean Church, which I'll say right now, is you don't know how hard it is to be a pastor until you are a pastor. And so I was kind of encouraging them, because, you know, Pastor Smith came here a couple years ago, um, and that was good, that was good for his soul, and he needed that, and it was refreshing. so I was thanking them for for letting for letting Pastor Smith you know uh, letting Pastor Smith leave for a bit and, and letting them know hey, he needs that, he needs that time of refreshing. It was refreshing for justice and I just to be uh, with our brothers and sisters that we hadn 't seen for four and a half years to hear their stories and to be able to... you know a lot of times when you 're ministering, you end up getting blessed right yeah you end up getting ministered too, so I was greatly ministered to by encouraging the church members, um, encouraging the leaders, encouraging the pastors. The other thing, why do we go? It's, it's to minister to the hurting. You know, Jesus came, it says, to bind people's wounds, right? And we found wounds in Belize. And, and honestly, I can't even talk to some of the situations we ministered to just due to keeping things private and confidential. But, but let me say, um, God did an amazing work. Time and time again, while we were there, and it it um, was the best pre-trip uh, we've ever had. Like God was just working in crazy ways and doing amazing things. Uh, one thing I can share: um, <clears throat> we did um, we work, you know, primarily with Pastor West in Liberty Baptist Church and Pastor Smith in Elohim Community Church, but we have developed relationships with a number of other pastors. Um, Pastor Ed, who's in Orange Walk. Um, Pastor Tullio is also um, in Libertad at what is called a full gospel church. And so we had the opportunity to partner with him in 2017. We did a pretty big outreach in Libertad on their basketball courts. And so it was actually really cool because we had a couple different Belizean pastors shared. And then um, I believe uh, Justice and I both shared. And so we we did this huge outreach with, I think there was a few hundred people there um, at least, So anyway, Pastor Tulio was one of those pastors, but um, sadly, um, since we had last been there, he passed away. Um, He wasn't even that old, Uh, probably roughly about my age, maybe a few um, years older, and so it was on our hearts um, to visit and just like uh, pay our respects to his wife. And so we didn't actually know her because um, of some different things. We never had the opportunity to meet her when we did that outreach. So we knew Pastor Tulio, um, but we didn't really know her. Um, So we ended up showing up um, at her house, and she was sitting on her back porch, and we're like, we're looking for Pastor Tulio's wife, and and that was her. And so I was just thinking it was going to be like a really short meeting where we're just like, hey, you know, sorry, and... No, she <clears throat> invited us into her house, you know, there was like some stuff on her couch, so she's like moving it out of the way real quick, invites us to sit down, and <clears throat> and then she ends up becoming very emotional that we had come to visit her and to pay our respects. And I was trying to think about that, because um, I was like, I never thought like a visit from pastors from a foreign country could, could mean so much to someone. But she was she was moved, she was crying, she was choking back tears. Um, it was very clear, just in our sweet time of fellowship that we had that she was truly blessed that we had come to see her. Um, it was encouraging to me that even in the midst of her grief, and she is still grieving, and you can pray for her, that as she was talking, she was like, "You know, but I still give thanks to the Lord, he is still faithful." Um, I am thankful for how my church has supported me and is walking with me. So you could definitely see that, like, even in the midst of losing her husband at a relatively young age, uh, she was still faithful to the Lord. So we go to minister to the hurting. The other thing I guess I didn't fully realize was that the giving that we all did. um, We took uh, at least two different offerings um, during COVID to send to Belize, which we did. I didn't realize how big of an impact our giving made. I had heard through Pastor Smith and, and, um, and, uh, and Elder Joe that it was an impact. Um, and so I believed him. But like Justice and I heard firsthand from people like how big of an impact it had on them and how huge of a blessing it was um, to get food at a time when food was hard to get and money was basically nil. There was not any of it. When when, uh, Belize shut down, I mean, they were like California on steroids. I mean, they shut down, shut down. So there's a a handful of districts. I think there's probably five, six, or seven. But there's a handful of districts, maybe like states for us, so to speak. So they not only just shut down travel between districts, they shut down travel between villages. So Libertad is a village of 2,000. And you couldn't even go like a half mile down the street to the next village. And so um, in Belize, if you work, a lot of times it is not uncommon for you to, wherever, whatever district you're in, to usually end up potentially doing work in, in, in Belize City, which is, Belize, Belize is the, actually the name of, of its own district in the country of Belize. Um, but to shut down travel between districts and then to shut it down between villages, like they were shut down, shut down. Um, if you were out traveling and ha- did not have a legitimate reason, then you would get a $500 fine, which is huge when the average income, I think, in Belize is around six dollars to $8,000. Um, so we sent that money. Pastor Smith ended up getting food, and he actually had to go to the police and say um, get permission to actually travel around to the different villages to deliver the food. But one sister that we ended up um, meeting with and talking with, I mean, she just, like, she mentioned it, and then she brought it up again. And then she brought it up again. Like, like it really meant a lot. And she was sp- specifically referring to um, the Christmas hams. Like, I never would have thought, like, a little Christmas ham could mean so much to someone. But, like, it was almost like we had saved Christmas, you know? <clears throat> um, not that they had, like, lost the faith or anything like that. But, like, that act of generosity on our part was immensely a huge blessing to them. Like, it, it like, just changed their Christmas and, and made it, like, in a way that I guess maybe possibly couldn't had not we done that. Like, we were greatly used. Um, so, I mean, on, on behalf of all those people who thanked us, like, I pass on the thanks to you all who participated and were very generous and you're giving to those offerings. They greatly impacted people, and it's that cup of cold water, right, that Jesus talks about, right? Um, It doesn't say ham in the Greek, but (laughs) ham is there, too. Um, It's also, why do we go to set up the trip? It's much easier for us to plan in person. Um, We did take a couple trips for a few years where we didn't have to go in person. Um... Just because we had been recently, not having been in four and a half years, we thought it would be a good idea um, to go back. But all these other reasons probably have made it clear that it is good just to do the pre-trip to accomplish some of those other things as well. Having said that, setting up the trip, you know, having Pastor Smith present when we're talking to the hotel manager trying to get the best price for hotels, it's really helpful. Um, You call over the phone and you get the American price. You have your Belizean pastor there, you get the Belgian price, <clears throat> so it is. It was very. It's just helpful, even in terms of that. Um, it saves. It saves money. Um, finally, why do we go? We're commanded. Um, Steve mentioned it when he was talking about um, communion today in his exhortation. Like it's an imperative. We are supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it. And here's the thing. Some commands are easy and some are not. And guess what, to each person differently, like some people can do hospitality and it's like they can do it and it's not a big deal. Others, they struggle, maybe they don't do it. But to each, God knows strengths and weaknesses, right? So some commands are easy, some are not. Some commands we might like more than others, but commands are commands, right? whether we're strong in them or weak in them, whether we like them or not, we're supposed to do them. We've been blessed with a partnership with Liberti Baptist Church. We've been blessed with a partnership with Elohim Community Church. Um, You know, Pastor Smith and Justice kind of have an inside joke. Pastor Smith really likes the word relationship. (laughs) And Justice really likes the word partnership. Uh, Both are important. But Elohim... Um, is committed to the Great Commission. They really are. Um, In fact, I'd like uh, Raymond, if you can come up here. I want you to come up here for a moment. I don't see Leanne, so she's probably back serving or doing something. But I want to present this to you. This is on behalf of Elohim Community Church and Pastor Smith. This is for you guys, for your mission trip, to go towards getting you there. And um, they have a heart to want to bless you guys and support you. And so they've committed to giving 10% of their monthly offering to send you guys there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a church that's committed to the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Like, they're serious about it, which, I mean, I find it, I find it joyfully... Uh, uh, funny, that like we're doing missions in Belize and then they want to support the cooks, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the church that we're ministering to and partnering with and having a relationship with also want to see the mission spread beyond Belize. So they want to be partners and have relationship uh, with the cooks. So, I mean, that's that's amazing. I was also, um, as you know, we've mentioned it numerous times, that they will tune in to our service. They'll live stream it and have that be their service. If Pastor Smith is out of town or, or something occurs or if the Lord lays it on his heart, they'll stream they'll stream the service. I asked them actually not to to tune in today just so I could f- feel a little bit freer, you know, to share and not feel like I was, you know, embarrassing anyone or calling anyone out. Um, they're actually using part of last week's um, Thanksgiving service today, actually. Um, I had one leader in, in, in Elohim Community Church tell us how blessed he and his church was to be able to be a part of our service, even from a distance, that they could join live streaming with us. Um, I had two different pastors and a number of members tell, tell Justice and I that Mike Smith going about a month and a half, two months ago, was a huge blessing to them. Very, very huge. So it's kind of like, you know, Mike was like the John the Baptist, I guess, preparing, <laughs> preparing the way for justice and how to get down there. But no, he really did do a great work uh, himself while he was there and heard that time and time and time again. Um, enough so that it kind of made justice, and I just e- even start chewing and discussing, there is probably some benefit in us sending some people throughout the year in just small groups. Um, to be a, a, an encouragement to the Belizeans and to, to the churches down there. So we're still praying and chewing on that. You can pray with us. Yeah. Finally, here's what I want to say. Um, when, we're, when we're looking at our mission trip this summer, don't look for reasons not to go. All right? I always have reasons not to go. I've always got reasons not to do things, I, I, you know, whatever. It might not just interest me. Um, could I really afford to take off less than a month before Christmas? Like one of the busiest times on the church calendar, one of the busiest times personally? No. But guess what? It was very much needed. So if, if God shows a need, like we look to fulfill it. We look to make it happen. So don't look for reasons not to go. Look for reasons to go. And I've just given you a bunch, right? Right? And what's what's my, my challenge and we kind of had to hit pause for four and a half years on the challenge. But my challenge um, is that every family, every family is represented on a mission trip to Belize in the next five years. Every family. I think it would be good because, again, I feel like it is important for us to do things together as a church. So <clears throat> we have a men's study on Tuesday nights. It's for All the men. There's a women's study. It's for all the women. Now maybe there's a place for certain, you know, older women or younger women to get together, or older men and younger, that's great, that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that, but I by and large feel very strongly like as much as possible we should do things as a church. By and large we should do Belize as a church. If we're not going, we should make sure we're sending, right? We should make sure we're making it a way for others to go. Um, if you feel like you're supposed to go, let's figure out a way to get you there. Money should not be the hindrance. Money should not be the, the, the reason you don't go, all right? So look for reasons to go. God is doing a great work there, and in his providence, you know, 14 years ago, he connected us with that country. He connected us with first with Libertad Baptist, also now with Elohim community, and we want to continue that partnership we want to continue building those relationships. And he truly is doing a good work. And you, uh, you will be blessed. If you've never been on an international mission trip, you will be blessed just beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. Like, God is doing a great work there, and we are blessed and privileged to be a part of that. And, you know, justice has been almost like 20 times or something like that <clears throat> um, that was my eleventh trip. We, we we just don't go just because it's fun to do. It the trip is enjoyable. I'm not sure if fun is the word I would use. It's enjoyable in many aspects. There has been some unfun trips, um, <clears throat> but it's refreshing. I mean, I come back exhausted, but I'm refreshed in my soul. All right. As as much as we're blessing them, we're we're getting a blessing, and we have an opportunity this summer to fulfill that third word of the belong flourish go of our vision is to go and so i i encourage you all to be praying and listening to what the spirit is telling you to do because he's telling us to go right then the question is okay which of us right and what what happened the church is praying acts 13 what does he say set apart Paul and Silas, right? Let's be praying. Who is he setting apart? Who is he telling to go? All right? I believe it's many of us. I believe it's many of us. I believe many of us are supposed to go. All right? And God wants to do a work this summer through this church in Belize. So I encourage you to prayerfully consider being a part of it. You will see God work. You will see him work. You will see him work. All right? And you will be affected and changed. You truly will be. Let's pray. Lord, thanks that we even have an opportunity to be used by you in all sorts of different situations and circumstances that you call us your ambassadors to take your word and go to the farthest parts of the world. You tell us to take your word and go minister to people people that just need a little bit of encouragement, people that need a whole lot of encouragement, people that need uh ministering to because they're hurting. People that need ministering to because they've backslidden and you want to call them back, Lord. So whoever, Lord, you've you've appointed to go speak to them. Holy Spirit, let them know and give them the resources to get there. You always do. Lord, we do pray for The Belizean churches, we pray specifically for Libertad Baptist Church, we pray specifically for Elohim Community Church, that your hand of blessing would still be upon them, that you would continue your work, that those churches would thrive, would grow, Lord, uh, not just numerically, but spiritually. Give those leaders wisdom to hear from you, to know how to minister and shepherd their sheep, to know how to reach out to their villages with your gospel. God, we pray even now for our our church church's mission trip coming up in July, seven months away, God, um, that you'd already start working in the hearts of the people that we're going to be talking to, that we're going to be working with, that we're going to be ministering to. Make their hearts tender to receive the words of truth that we're going to be bringing and speaking. Open up the doors you want. Shut the doors that you don't want us to go through. Make it obvious, Lord, to us. Let us be. On your path, whatever, wherever you want us to go, Lord, let us be faithful to follow it. It's a narrow path, so let us be faithful to stick close to you on that narrow path. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for being a gracious God to us. Thank you that your glory always shines. Yes. We pray this with the authority you give us in Jesus. Amen.